0: with that we welcome you back to another fresh episode of the one giant podcast as always i am adam armbrecht and calling in from a great distance away mr andy Makowitz, how are you sir
1: i'm good i mean it's tough to get back to the computer to record when it's beautiful outside and i'm playing 18
0: listen social uh
1: distancing of course
0: Yes, I was gonna say obviously following all the rules and regulations, but the, the, the weather has been delightful, and when you've got an opportunity to just ride around the course in your own solo golf cart, I can't entirely knock you.
1: I mean, it, it's kind of airport rules, like <laughs> right now for everyone, right? Like you can kind of wear what you want whenever you can. You can have a cocktail whenever you want. So you know, playing early in the morning, you know, fresh dew on the ground, cold beer in the hands. Life could be worse
0: yeah I think it could. Um, the one area that it that it could be better would be in the sports arena right now as as a lot of leagues conversations around major league baseball they are not having a good time trying to figure this out and a lot of the leaked information there is that it is of course about money what you assume it is for all of these leagues, but they're the only one that seems to be unable to not have that be the topic of conversation. Uh, NBA trying to sort out their issues also. NFL right now state of where they're at they extended this virtual off season timeline recently what are you, what are you thinking right now about what the expectations should be for the NFL season getting underway when are training camps going to officially happen right it's just it's still a really murky area and i know everyone wants to be positive and i think that's a good thing and everyone's trying to do business as usual and yet every couple of weeks something new happens and there starts to be another adjustment and and another need to kind of realign expectations.
1: So the way that I'm approaching it, and you can take it with a grain of salt because I'm not Dr. Fauci, right, Um, is I'm I'm kind of thinking that it will be a success if there is any NFL season. Mm -hmm. If you kind of go into that mindset, whether it's 12 games, 16 games, eight games. I I don't know exactly what the setup is, but I will be happy with any amount of NFL football that, that will be played. When we take the next step further, will there be fans in the stadium? I don't know. I mean, I think that's probably more likely to to not have any fans than anything else. Um, You know, the Carolina uh, owner came out uh, recently and, and, and just said, you know, like, maybe there can be some fans in the stadium, but like, obviously not all of them, but like, let's figure out a scenario where we have a quarter of the fans or a 10th of the fans, like have a thousand or 2000 people in there. Can they social distance? So for for me, I think it would be a huge win to be able to have any attendance uh, to the games, but uh, I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll, we're going to get an NFL season. And that's really what I care about most.
0: Yeah. Well, and the funny thing about comments like that, it's, it's optimistic of, you know, maybe get some little fans in and then you immediately go, okay, that, that does, that does sound really good. We can space everybody out. Which fans get to come in? You know, which season ticket holders get their opportunity to come? How do you, how do you break down the selection of only having eight home games? And, you know, can they tailgate when they come to the stadium? If there are 40 parking spaces away from one another and all those details. So, um, that that's going to be the interesting part and it's obviously going to change a lot of things not just for this upcoming season or the remainder of other sports in their seasons uh, but going into the following years right cap salary cap implications what the revenue looks like because if you're not going to have fans in the stadium that's going to impact not just uh, the, the money that you're making on game days but also how how many employees can be there what level of of those staff members are going to be able to come back so there's just so many things and, and it honestly I will say from a Sports aside, I think that all the issues that you're hearing around these are what all normal businesses are dealing with right now, trying to figure out those things just in terms of getting people back to work and understanding how the logistics of that are going to play out that, that being the case, there is still some good some other interesting news I'll say um, you know Daniel Jones w- w- talked about the fumble issues and how he's just he feels like he's pretty confident that he can remove those from his repertoire we'll call it you know an, un, an undesired repertoire and and that was positive obviously I think it's easier to make that statement when you feel like the offensive line is improved the other piece that came out was uh, Saquon Barkley being asked about obviously eventually the contract discussions are going to come up for him and he was quoted when speaking with uh, Ralph Vashiano ba- uh, of SNY I'm a big believer in taking care of the little things first. I'm going to be the best player and leader I can be. If I take care of that, the rest will take care of itself. I know that that can on its face, just kind of sound like the cliche quote that you give. But what I will say is everything that Dave Gettleman has preached about and John Mara for that matter, ownership and now Joe judge is the head coach. It's been about wanting to have quality character guys across the board on this team. And, I, I do look at Saquon Barkley differently than I look at Ezekiel Elliott, right? I think that it's important to make that distinction. Now, does that mean that I think when it comes time, Saquon's going to take a hometown discount? Maybe not. But you go back and look at what they signed uh, Ezekiel Elliott to, a $90 million contract with, I think, $58 million guaranteed. Even the numbers that went for Christian McCaffrey, four-year deal, $16 million per I'm okay signing that check for Saquon Barkley from, you know, ages 24 to 28. I actually don't really take a lot of issue with that, given the impact that you think he's going to have on a game-to-game basis for this offense.
1: Yeah, I think, to, to your point, Saquon Barkley says and does all the right things. Like, what, what else? If he's not going to, you know, Christian McCaffrey's very similar, and mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey has, has the stats to back it up, and has stayed healthy. You know, he is the model of what you want in a running back. He can catch the ball. He can run the ball. He doesn't have any off-field distractions. He's a guy that you can build your brand around. And I think Saquon Barkley is is exactly that guy. And these are the types of, of uh, you know, media things that he excels in. He he never says the wrong thing. He's never going to call out his teammates. He, he's super competitive. You know, when we talked to John Hillman, he basically said that's the one thing that, that you know, most people don't see about Saquon is, like, if you're playing Connect Four – he, he's like, you know, watching the last dance, like Michael Jordan, he wants to play it 20 times until he beats you. Right. And I think that's the type of player you want to, you want to pay. And uh, you know, I look at the two cornerstones that the Giants have in Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, and they're always saying the right things. Saquon has shown the explosiveness that I think, you know, his play has matched that Daniel Jones first year was a success. If he can build upon that, then you have two guys on the offense that you're, you're going to build around, you're going to pay them and you're going to have to find, diamonds in the rough in the draft to save money other places
0: well and you know the other part of it is too because that that is there's going to be this factor of at some point other positions you're going to have to find a way to manufacture for lack of a better term you know value at those other areas um but when you look at the way the 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 payroll is going to go for the Giants You are going to have some other guys come off the books in a couple of years when Golden Tate, however it shakes out, when he comes off, that's going to free up about $6 million. Oddly enough, his contract really decreases by the final year of it. He only makes a little over five in that final season, which maybe is an argument to say that he could play out the entire contract with the Giants. Um, But, you know, as Darius Slayton comes up, you got the fifth-year option on Evan Ingram. So that will come off the books in a couple of seasons as well to go along with maybe Peppers. There's going to be a lot of moving parts there, but I think – To your point, if you make sure that you're in line to pay your uh, the offensive line as they come up on their contracts, and then just find ways with Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones to continue to bring in pieces around them, uh, I think you can always still be in a flexible position from a cap standpoint. And it's not like you're going to look back and say, "Boy, because we paid Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, we're in a real tight spot now." I don't think it's ever going to be the case, and you're never going to think that about Daniel Jones anyway, because franchise quarterbacks—it's just the nature of it—they get paid. So yeah, listen. More, more, just positive things around Saquon Barkley. Still have some time before that before that really comes to pass. And by then, I think that they'll have done all the right things to have freed up and allocate money specifically for him.
1: Yeah, and, and as we alluded to with Daniel Jones, uh, kind of being in the same boat. You know, there were some interviews that came out recently with Daniel Jones, and they said, you know, now that Eli is no longer in the picture, this is your team. And and he was quick to let everyone know, this isn't my team. This isn't. Joe Judge's team. This isn't Saquon Barkley's team. It, is, you know, we it is our team. We are one, and you just love that messaging, as cliche as it is. Um, you know, we've seen so many knee guys come come and go. That you know, hearing that he's saying all the right things, he's doing all the right things in the off season. He's uh, sheltering at home with his with his uh, parents down in North Carolina, which is hilarious.
0: Um, yeah. It
1: reminds me of Joe Burrow sitting on his couch all of a sudden he's worth like $25 million, but he's sleeping in his like G.I. Joe basement, you know, like it's hilarious. Especially
0: when you're you're so close. I mean, he he just got drafted. So just coming out of college, but even Daniel Jones, right? Like a year later, you're still a young kid. It still feels totally normal to go home to your parents' house and be like, I'll be crashing on the couch tonight, dad, thanks. You know, (laughs) let me know if there's breakfast in the morning. Yeah, he's probably
1: got like a two to $3 million apartment somewhere near New York City. He's like, no, I'm just going to go home i just going to go home, it hang out. Do you, still, yeah. do, you, yeah. do you still have those posters on the wall in my room? You know, th- that type of thing. So I thought that was, was interesting. You know, uh, Joe Judge recently also had a, a few different comments. Um, he talked a little bit about how, you know, he smartly is going to give the reins to Jason Garrett on the offense. Uh, so he's not going to mix too much of his own thoughts in there. And he's going to focus on the things that make him great. And that's, you know, special teams, defense, like that, that's going to be his area. And I, I liked what, Jojo said, I think all of our guys are saying the, the right things right now when, to be honest with you, this is the time of year where if your name pops up in the media, it's only bad news.
0: <laughs> right, yeah, typically. You know, <laughs> this just across the NFL wire, X player was found, not social distancing. He was at a nightclub, <laughs> shirt off, throwing yeah, right, sweat on like, everybody.
1: <laughs> it's not like breaking news on ESPN that Daniel Jones played three games of call of duty instead of two at night, like, like, you know, anytime you hear people in the news, so they're saying all the right things, they're doing all the right things. And that makes me excited. Now the the challenge for the giants and, you know, we talked about training camp a little bit uh, in in a couple different episodes. The NFL has a real challenge on their hands here um, in terms of trying to figure out the logistics. It's, it's, It's especially important for the New York football giants who in New York and New Jersey, where, you know, it's kind of the epicenter of, of what's going on with this pandemic, you know, we can't really get too many people together at once. So I know they're looking for, for different locations. I know Joe Judge said the health and safety of people is the most important. Everything else will work itself out. But what were your thoughts about, you know, what the NFL can do to start trying to get these players together?
0: Well, that's the interesting thing about it because, again, especially if you're if you're located in some of the major cities, obviously L.A. not as high a percentage, but still very much uh, you know high risk area of the country when it comes to the COVID nineteen pandemic. Uh, Obviously, New York, New Jersey, like you said. So, if you start to think about getting people to other areas of the country, maybe just so you can have those training camps, the only what it really comes down to is you have to then it has to be that everyone gets to do it right? Like all teams need to have the ability to go and train in some assemblance of the same circumstances because you're talking about competitive balance, right? And you can't allow it that maybe because let's say Carolina, you know, maybe Carolina Panthers don't have the same type of issues in their area of the country, so they can go ahead and get together and do it. All right. But if, but if the Giants and the Jets and maybe even the Bills and all of the teams that are out in California, if all of those teams can't, access facilities to be able to work then you're talking about going into the season whenever it starts and saying well some of us had a real off-season program and the rest of us were doing you know virtual reps and let's just see how this plays out so you know that that, that's going to be something that the commissioner and the league are going to have to figure out a way to address and then you know on top of which too unfortunately even if you identify areas of the country that people can go to that these teams can go to then you got to get everybody there And then you also have to monitor everybody and make sure that someone doesn't end up testing positive. And if that's the case, what happens to that? Because I would guarantee that if they can find locations for teams to be able to train like this, there's going to probably be more than one team potentially at those those locations as we move through this, right? So now how many teams get affected? How many players get affected? And how does that move forward? And that's the um, depressing, but that's the discouraging aspect of this. All the planning in the world can get thrown off very quickly.
1: It, do, you, do you think that the NFL, Roger Goodell, needs to call up Dana White and ask him if there's enough room for the players on Fight Island that he's got working right now?
0: Well, mean, well, it's so that funny. That be great. Yeah, but it's so funny because even Dana White said after the first, the first one that they did where he goes, well, I'm in a unique position, right? I only need to get two guys in a ring together. I don't need to have X number of players and everything else. So, you know, on a sport-to-sport basis, there's very few that are like that. They've been saying golf, maybe tennis could be like that. But in terms of the major sports, it's just <laughs> – it, is an, it feels like an impossibility unless you get even those. By the way, even like the NBA where they're saying, we're going to go down to Disney World where they have these facilities and we're going to get this thing back on track. And then they go, all right, now all you have to do is make sure that, that every, every player wants to be a part of that, right? That every player is willing to. And it's not about – I think every player would sign up for the risk, quote, unquote, of playing and, and you know, maybe ending up Uh, contracting the virus at some point along the way, but it's about the commitment to be away from your family, potentially. You know, these people have have wives have children and you're saying, Hey, do you mind isolating for three to three to four months?
1: Yeah. I mean, some of the major league baseball plans were like, let's just go to Arizona. The players will live in a bubble for three and a half months away from their family. And it's like, someone said perfectly like Mike Trout is the biggest name in major league baseball. His wife is due with their first child in August. Like what, what, what are we talking about here? Like, so he's got to be in a bubble in Arizona while his wife's giving birth. Like, I just, and it's going to be the same for the NFL players. I'm sure that there's hundreds or dozens of players that are in the same situation as Mike Trout, where they have family members in need that they need to take care of, or, you know, wives and and girlfriends and different things. So, I mean, there is a lot of logistics and, and with NFL teams being so big, you know, that roster expanded up to 55 with all the practice squad people and trainers and everyone else, you're talking about hundreds of people on each yeah. team getting together to do this. So I do think, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of challenges as we move forward. Now what I do find interesting is USA today must think that the giants are going to get no training camp and that the coronavirus is absolutely decimating them because Adam, you pointed out to me that there were some schedule per day,
0: predictions for the Giants? Yeah so let's let's we'll filter it through this that there was also a uh, Twitter poll taken uh, online for Giants fans just saying you know how many wins do you expect the Giants to have in 2020? About 72 around 71, 72 percent said somewhere in that six to eight range so you know some level of of baseline optimism there from fans. You had about 22 percent falling into the, uh, into the zero to five win category. And I think that probably is representing five wins or four wins potentially. And then you had a couple of real nut jobs that were talking about uh, 11 to 13, <laughs> 13 wins, uh, you know, 10 plus, and, you know, some percentages fell into there as well. So that gives you a sense of, of where the fan base is sitting on this, but in USA today, they broke out these projections. They currently have the giants set up to go two and 14. Now, We've talked about it on, on past episodes. We'll go back to last season and you think about how the Giants only beat the Redskins twice, Miami, and then had Tampa Bay on a missed field goal. But he, to me, here's the interesting thing. There's a couple of interesting facets. Inside our own division, they have the Redskins getting five wins and going five and 11. Now you can say maybe they could have – that's only two games improvement from last year, but they still have them going five and 11 and then us at two and 14. You have the Eagles at nine and seven, the Cowboys at ten and six. But what I also found fascinating is – within the Giants' schedule, the Bears, they have going 3-13, and 13, the Rams 6-10, and 10, and then you also have the Cardinals and the Browns, both at 7-9. and nine. So I, I found it really fascinating that there's this clump of teams that is on our schedule and that are home games for us that don't necessarily have very strong records. Some are going to improve, like uh, – I mean, the Browns, it's a one-game improvement for them. The Rams are going to take a big step back, and yet we're still getting chalked up for two Ws. I was a little I was a little surprised by that, um, you know, at, at, at a first glance.
1: Can, can you explain to me how they have the Redskins at five wins and the Giants at two? Like, I've, I've been wrapping my head around this since you brought this up. It's like, okay, the Giants addressed their biggest offseason needs and got the left tackle of the future and shored up – the offensive line and, you know, Saquon Barkley got healthy and we improved the defense. We put, uh, we signed a bunch of linebackers, you know, like I feel, you know, Xavier McKinney and Julian Love and, and Jabril Peppers as our, you know, our deep secondary. I I feel optimistic about the steps that we're taking to become a playoff team. Mm-hmm. So like it, it, it befuddles me to think, you know, we had more wins last year. They think we're going to regress this year and get less wins than we had and for some unknown reason the Redskins have Dwayne Haskins still at center they don't address one of their biggest needs which is wide receiver they do get generational talent in Chase Young that, that certainly is something that needs to be said but how are they getting two more wins so they they're projecting the Giants to be worse after they address all their offseason needs and they're projecting the Redskins to be better like two wins better because of Chase Young I'm I, I have no idea. I can't even understand it.
0: No, you're right in that sense of the Giants, from from most accounts, the draft and free agency, everyone – I mean, the draft even, I think people are speaking glowingly, especially about getting Andrew Thomas and then getting McKinney there at the top of the second. But even when you think about the the offseason, it wasn't any big flash names that they got, but made the defense better, right? That was the big remark. It's just you got solid, built up your depth. You supplement that in the draft, you improve the offensive line, you're getting Saquon back 100% healthy, you've got Daniel Jones in year two, you've got Darius Slayton in year two, so many of these positive things that already existed on the roster. So it, it does seem a little counterintuitive to look inside the division, and the only factor that you could probably hang it on, and I think the Redskins could be better. If better, and we said that about the Giants too, right? You could be better and still lose games, but be a better football team. The only factor you could say would be Ron Rivera, and I think that you will see his impact, but I just don't think that that roster is in a position yet to be winning more games, even if it's going from three to five. They could get five wins. You can make the case that they can have five wins, but then I think you're making a case that the Giants should be in that six or seven win range, arguably, on that, on that stances of, like, if you're analyzing from their offseason, their free agency moves. And I will throw in before you, uh, before you follow up, including the 5-11 and 11 Bengals who are on the schedule, which is a team that's that, that, that suggesting they're going to improve from two to five wins. But that group of teams that I mentioned earlier, including the Bengals, a combined 33-79 and 79 with taking two games against the Redskins on their projected schedule. So, again, I have a hard time looking at that clump of games and saying that's, that's seven games on the schedule. And we're saying that the Giants are only going to manage to get assuming because the other rest of the teams that you're playing the the Cowboys and you're going to have the Steelers and some other really tough matchups in there out of these seven games that's where the Giants are going to go two and five against arguably some of the the lesser competition in the league having made these improvements so that throws me off a little bit as well
1: yeah I mean I mean let's be honest two two and fourteen like it just it just blows it is 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 the writer from Philadelphia or Dallas like what would be the reason that, the like, after all the Giants offseason moves, you're like, and they're going to lose two more games than they did last year. Like, yeah. h- how does that even pop into your brain? It, to me, it, it's, it's frustrating, but it's actually kind of funny, I, I guess, in some levels. But, you know, you look at these things because you want to read the tea leaves of what people think that they did. The Giants had a great offseason. The Redskins had an okay offseason. And, you know, here we sit.
0: Yeah, and listen, we wanted to come in and just kind of do a little bit of an update, take a peek around the league, around the New York football Giants as well. So we'll get out of here in a second. But what I will say is, and this is what's unfortunate about the current situation, training camp and, you know, OTAs, that's where you start to get a sense of some of these players. And, you know, from a wins and loss standpoint, a lot of people have been saying that they look at the Giants offensively with that improved line, and they're saying that they could be a top 10 offense in the league you know, when it's all said and done by the end of the season, you're talking about potentially looking at a guy like Daniel Jones and saying he could throw north of 30 touchdowns this year. I think that that would be reasonable expectations based on the sample size we saw last year with a healthy Saquon Barkley, right? Um, The balance should be there. The creativity should be there. Defensively, I think this is what we lack by not getting off season programs as we move forward here. How does DeAndre Baker look? How does Bradbury look on this team now? Where is Xavier McKinney plugging in, and what impact is he having on how you use Julian Love? And what does Sam Beal now get to be flexible in doing? How does the linebacking core look? Is Ryan Connolly coming back healthy? Because if you sit there and say, and let's, let, let's not go overboard, let's even say the Giants can be a top 15 offense in the upcoming season. Then you look over the defensive side of the ball. They can go from being 31st in the league to being maybe 24th. I don't know how you can't assume that the win total starts to get into that six and seven win range. And I, and I also don't know how given the talent that we've added on both sides of the ball, I don't know how it can be possible not to improve. Right. And I ought to crunch the numbers a little bit on teams that are in that tier in terms of offense and defensive rankings over the past, say 10 seasons. And what does that look like from a record standpoint? Because I, I think there are, as you said, before, tea leaves to read on this and I'll be interested to find out if we can deep dive on that so that as the first, say, four games of the season start to unfold, whenever that happens, you can look where we're ranking and try to think about getting a little bit better over the course of the year and and what that could mean from a wins and loss standpoint. I mean, just looking at the defense, to me it's simple. We overhauled
1: half of our defense, and we didn't just overhaul them with guys off the street. Like, mm-hmm. we signed Bradbury to, to uh, you know, top five cornerback money. He is supposed to be our cornerback number one now, paired alongside DeAndre Baker, right? We signed Blake Martinez to a fairly large deal to man the center as the middle linebacker. We invested the high second-round draft pick in Xavier McKinney, who's going to start at safety, who complements Julian Lovell. Like, we didn't just, like, piece this all together. We took top – free agents at their positions and high draft picks and, and address it. So for me, I do think we lose out a lot. Uh, you know, we're one of the teams that probably will struggle with not having this off season plan, you're trying to, you know, new coach, new offensive scheme, n- new defense, new defensive coordinator, new, you know, five new players that potentially starting on defense. It, it's not great for the giants, especially if you want to, if you're dreaming big and you want them to make a bigger leap, then, well, we talked about that five to seven win range, um, but two wins just, ludicrous that's
0: all I can say (laughs) well it's funny too because those players you just highlight it's not you know straight down the middle but you're talking about at at the at the back end of the the back end of the defense Xavier McKinney you're talking about the cornerback position Bradbury you're talking about the linebacker position Martinez and then you can even say you even just listing whether you want to say uh Leonard Williams coming back on the franchise tag or Dexter Lawrence in year two or Dalvin Tomlinson coming off a strong year right like you can literally walk yourself at every level of the defense and say I think positionally we are going to be better. So that's where it's a little bit surprising to me. But this will all play out. And if you want to go silver lining, by the way, even though new head coach and some new schemes and certainly things that are going to be uh, difficult for the Giants from that standpoint, every other team is at least dealing with the same scenario. So maybe we get lucky at the start of the year as well and just catch some teams that weren't able to have as an effective virtual offseason as we were. I will say this. It seems like Joe Judge is on top of things. He seems like he is, you know, communicator number one and that there's there's very little chance that any of these young players or, or any of these veterans, whatever, are not going to come in whenever you're able to without having a very strong understanding of playbook, scheme, and expectation from Joe Judge.
1: And I think the easiest way to sum it up is they asked Saquon Barkley about Joe Judge, and and he said, when he talks, you listen. And I think that's pretty much – you know, a lot of other players are like ah, that, that guy who cares, like I'm, I'm an offensive guy. Like I'm not going to, he's like, no, no, no. Like when he says something, I'm like, yes, sir. Like I am listening, paying attention. And I think that speaks volumes about how he's got a handle on this team already.
0: Yep. Already commanding the room, even if they're not actually in the room, that'll do it for us here <laughs> yeah. on the, on the uh, one giant podcast update. We will, of course, be coming back in. We had highlighted this previously. I would expect probably uh, next week sometime we're going to start to dive in on the quarterback situation, not just for the New York football giants, around the league. We're going to get a little bit of a take from both Andy and myself. And we're not, this is, by the way, friends, no note sharing here. I am not going to look at his special little sheet that he hides away from me. We're going to see where we stack up in terms of value of quarterbacks based on skill set and what they've accomplished combined with what they cost financially for each and every one of these teams around the league. Where does young Daniel Jones stack up? So stay tuned for that. Certainly coming soon for you. Follow us on social media at one time podcast, download rate review and subscribe to the podcast. We are in a little bit of flux here around our network. So bear with us as we work out some of those kinks, but we will be of course coming to you fast and furious as often as we can. That's it, Andy. I got nothing left to say. How about you?
1: Well, as always, let's go Big Blue.